Welcome to Parenthood Pals. I'm Caleb Hoyer. And I'm Melissa Fight Johnson. And with us today, I'm so happy to welcome back my old NYU friend, Elena Glass. Welcome, Elena. Hi! Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. I'm so happy you're here, too. It's so good to see you after so long. It's been such a long time. I, um, I'm i going to recreate Sam Martin in previous episodes and say that we're chums. We're chums. We're chums. We're, we're, all, we're all school chums. We are indeed. <laughs> I think every episode with the word chum is a, a great one. I, that's, I agree. That's, it's like a high bar. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> Where are you joining us from today? I am joining us from Roseville, Minnesota, or as my iPhone likes to autocorrect it to, Roseville, Minnesota. So <laughs> awesome. I'm always like... The accent is purposeful when I'm texting my friends. <laughs> <laughs> well, and fun fact, Roseville is the hometown of none other than Peter Krause, Adam oh Braverman. Yes, I found out my senior year of high school that Peter Krause went to Roseville High School. Before it was called Roseville High School, I think it was called Ramsey, something different. But yes, I feel very honored to have walked the halls that Peter like Krause Like same did. building? Yes. Wow. I mean, we, we Amazing. I know we've had some like renovations and stuff, but same place, same hallways, all that kind of stuff. Does he ever come back? No, I think he kind of peaced out as soon as he like (laughs) went to the Hollywood and became famous or whatever. But yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of cool. I mean, we have a great theater program and always have. So I'm like, that's kind of badass. So that is, well, that's making me think if you found out your senior year, that means he was already famous. What do you know? What he was famous for? Like what you'd heard of him from? Ah, uh, well, didn't he do Six Feet Under? Right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's like, yeah, that's what he did, and it was like one of those like it was a senior lock-in night or whatever. And we had like trivia and it was like, what famous person went to Roseville? And I was like, oh, who? And it was like Peter Cross. I was like, what? Oh my God. Amazing. (laughs) That's so cool. So awesome when famous people come from the Midwest. It just makes me so happy. I'm just like, see, you don't have to be born in LA or New York to make it, you know? That's right. True. (laughs) I like that. Well, can you tell us a little bit about Team Glass, your family growing (laughs) up and your family now? Team Glass. I love it. Yeah. So um, growing up, it was uh, my nuclear family was my mom, my dad, and my younger sister and myself. My dad was a physical therapist and my mom was a social worker. So very socially engaged family. They grew up with music and theater. And so they passed that on to both my sister and I. And uh, we had a pretty idyllic childhood. And I was lucky enough to have two strong aunts in my life. My mom's sister Her name's Meg. And then my dad's sister, Peggy, was a nun for 13 years. And then she became a teacher. And then she decided, you know what, I'm kind of done with this. And so she moved to Chicago with not a ton of money and went to law school and then became a prosecuting attorney for Cook County. Wow. (laughs) That's fascinating. I I need to tell her to write her life story. Yeah, that sounds like the pilot of a TV show. This nun is going to practice law. (laughs) She ran for judge too. She didn't win, but that's okay. I just wow. think she's one so robe to another. And she like both of them have never married. Both of them are just like doing their own thing. And I just am like really in awe of both of them. So growing up with some strong female influences. And then my family now, uh, my uh, uh, dad passed away this last year uh, from a long battle with multiple sclerosis. So we miss him every day. And um, so it's my mom, my sister, and I, and then I live in Roseville with my cat, Scarlett. <laughs> She's part of my family, too. Absolutely, she Love is. It. And I was so that. sorry to hear about your dad 
Elena and I always had a special bond as kids of parents with MS. There was a few, well, at least one other NYU. Um, yeah, one or two was, others I know of that yep. that we just always oh. felt like mm, there's some understanding there. Yeah, there really is. It, you you grow up in a, it makes you grow up a lot and, you know, caretaking and just kind of being faced with mortality in that way. You definitely learn some lessons that are hard to convey to others who haven't experienced that, you know? So it was always great to have those chats with you, Caleb. Yeah. Well, speaking of chats, well, I don't know. That's a, not a good segue. I think it's great. I think you nail the segues every time. Speaking of talking, <laughs> let's do that As with we our are, let's, let's keep doing final it. Final question. What was your history with the show Parenthood? Yeah. So at NYU, I know there was like a Parenthood clan of people that watched it and talked about it all the time. And when Facebook was, I mean, Facebook is still a thing, but everybody would comment about it on Facebook. And I uh, moved back to Minnesota in 2016 uh, to be closer to my family, be closer to my dad. And um, that first like six months to a year was kind of a different transition. You know, I'd spent six years in New York and I was just kind of like, okay, I'm back home and just kind of finding my way. And um, so I like, one day when I was home, I was like, you know what? I have never watched that parenthood show that everybody keeps talking about. So I started watching it. I think it was on Hulu or wherever you could watch it. And I just straight up binged the entire series in probably like a couple months. Like I was just very, it was a very good thing for me to have during that kind of transition time, because it's just, it gets you in your feels and all of the, you know, cathartic ways. And it was just great to like, come home to like a the Braverman family every night. So I'm just so glad that I was able to see the series. Like I know it it was done by the time I watched it, but like watching the whole thing in one sitting pretty much was awesome. Sometimes oh, that's the best that. way to watch a show. That's how I was with Friday Night Lights. I watched it after yes! it was already over and Me too. Oh, so good. I love Friday Night Lights too. I've done that with Lost as well. Lols. <laughs> you <laughs> I love Lost. Love Lost. I've never seen it. But I'm I'm really enjoying your taste. So if Well, you're if you liked Amazing good. Andy, you're going to like Lost. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> For real. I definitely have not watched Parenthood since 2016. And then when you asked me to do this, I was like, oh my gosh, yes. So I, unlike Amy, who binged the whole thing, I didn't binge the whole thing, but I definitely refreshed myself on obviously this episode and then some of the first, you know, couple episodes. And I was like, okay, it's time for a rewatch. It's Uh. been five (laughs) years. It's time. It's time to go back. So I'm super pumped that you asked me. Oh, yeah. We're so glad that you're here. Yay. Well, today we are discussing Parenthood Season 3, Episode 13, Just Smile. And I just realized one of the shows you and I did together at NYU was a musical (gasps) called Smile. Oh, wow. This is just so fitting. So fitting. (laughs) And where were you from? It it was Smile's about a beauty pageant in California. Where was Sandra... Was that her name? Oh, my God. Yeah, her name was Sandra. All I remember is doing a ventriloquism act and just being <laughs> over the top. And then MK Lawson saying, you're so committed, you should be committed. <laughs> you know what? Ain't a lot of fun to be a dummy. <laughs> oh, my God. And then bigger than Steinhardt choices. <laughs> Another thing, too. 
I was just wondering, like, what if Sandra was like from Berkeley? That would have been oh my god. Nuts. But I don't think she, anyone was from Berkeley. She and Amber probably would have crossed paths, and Amber would have been like, "Who the f- are you, <laughs> <laughs> crazy goon?" Oh, anyway, it. okay, season three, episode thirteen, <laughs> "Just Smile." It was written by Jamie Dunayer, directed by Michael Weaver. It originally aired on January tenth, twenty twelve. And here's the NBC synopsis. Crosby is frustrated when Adam becomes the focus for a local newspaper's piece on the luncheonette. Meanwhile, Amber struggles to find her place in a new job, and Sarah becomes overwhelmed with thoughts of having a baby. So according to IMDb, this episode has the lowest number of series regulars in a single episode. Only nine out of 15 appear. There's no Zeke, no Camille, no Jasmine, no Drew, no Sydney, no Jabbar. Wow. But it also says someone is wearing plaid in every scene, <laughs> which I didn't watch too closely. Well, now but I want to go back and see if that's true. I'm pretty sure it's not true because I did note that like in one of the scenes between Crosby and Lily, they're both wearing like wool sweaters or something and they're not plaid. So it's like, I don't yeah. think this is true. So I take that with a grain of salt maybe, but okay. someone thinks this is the lowest number of regulars in an episode. <laughs> Goodness. But speaking of Lily, this is the first episode with Courtney Ford playing the character of Lily. She has appeared on many other series, including Dexter, True Blood, and Legends of Tomorrow, which features her husband in real life, former Superman, Brandon Routh. I didn't know that was her husband. That's her husband. And they have a little baby boy named Leo. I bet he's oh freaking God. adorable. Cause I bet I, hello, so. Look at them. I mean. Like, she is so beautiful, I think. So beautiful. Gorgeous. I was distracted. Like, <laughs> I was too. And she has this like really earthy, very yeah. like natural beauty. Like it just draws you in. Yeah, she's gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah. My memory was that I liked Lily. And then this episode just reinforced it. I'm like, yeah, 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 I like her a lot. She's a cool character. And the actor is, you know, a huge She's part a cool of that. character. I have an unpopular opinion, though. I'm starting it. I'm starting in hot. Okay. So just the, the, I did not like her acting in the first couple scenes. Wow. I felt like it was like very theatrical, like drama school acting. And then it, like, as soon as they like relaxed into like her non-neurotic side, I was sort of like, okay, like I see the connection, but I felt like it was just too, I know you can't see me, but like my hands are <laughs> up here. I felt like it was just too heightened and it didn't really fit into it because the rest of the acting of the show was just so naturalistic, you know what I mean? Yeah. So that was, that's my unpopular opinion, but I obviously love her and I love them together and a really cool character. Your opinion is valid. And <laughs> thank you. I, I did kind of feel like, I I don't know that I share the whole opinion, but I feel like I share a version of it, which is that their chemistry, I don't know if even that's the right word, something about them felt quite contrived Mm. right Mm -hmm. off the bat. Like it didn't feel like, well, people are coming into the studio all the time and Crosby happens to fall for this one. It felt like oh, here's a love interest for Crosby. <laughs> like, it just, right. it was so immediate. And it felt like, I know what purpose you're here to serve. Oh, totally. You know right away. Yeah. yeah. And then I even, I'm going to play this scene between them to make a point about that and for other reasons as well. But here's a scene okay. between Lily and Crosby. 
You know what? I'm a little bit fried. Maybe we could pick this up tomorrow. Fine. Okay. Take a little break from the neuroses. What? What was that? Neuroses? Like I'm neurotic because I really I care mean... about this project? Because I'm not famous and I'm paying out of my pocket and I'm paying an hourly rate and it's really important to me. No record labels paying for my session with you. Okay, this means a lot to me. So I don't think a little respect from you is... I, it's not that I don't respect... What, what is that? Cramp, what, what are you doing? Cramp, 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 cramp. Bad one, my bow hand. You want me to call a doctor? Or? No, it's a hand cramp, not a heart attack. Just help. How do I help you? Help me, just rub it. Just rub third, third metacarpal. Right. Rub right here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, push. Yeah. That's good. Is what I do for a Charlie horse. Is that? Is that working? That's oh. from practicing ten hours a day. 10 hours. 10 hours. I would practice more than 10 hours, but I have to stop at 10 p.m. because my neighbors were complaining. That's how much this means to me. So I don't think that a little effort from you is too much to ask. Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay. Okay. <laughs> Does it feel better? It's... You're welcome. Yes. Oh, oh my goodness, you do know that word. Oh, that must have hurt like hell. Hey, well, it feels better now, oh, so. Okay. Thank you. And the music comes in. <laughs> it reminds me of like The Bachelor when they like. <laughs> that is kind of Bachelor like, music. <laughs> well, it's like when they play, they subtly, quote unquote, play music underneath the main love interest. Yes, I'm trash and I watch The Bachelor <laughs> religiously. So just tangent. But yeah, they're like being subtle by playing the music underneath to, to make us elicit an emotion. You know what I mean? Of like, ooh, they're cute together. <laughs> yeah, well, that was my thought about them. Like, I enjoyed them both as actors. And I actually do feel like, especially on my second watch, I was like, I think they do have some genuine chemistry. But it did just, a lot of it felt awfully TV, like mm -hmm. conventional. Like we said, like the music starts and she says thank you and he teases her and they smile and it's like if there was any doubt that a romantic seed is being planted here there's none after that but I thought what actually happened between them in the scene to change their thing because I thought Crosby was being really rude to her yes I agree and I was like he didn't apologize or anything in fact he was like you do know the word thank you i'm like why the fuck was as she if she was being unreasonable <laughs> yeah, yeah i'm like you have been nothing but condescending to her and she, is this how you treat all your yeah. clients I, like, I think crosby actually is a terrible producer i don't know if we've ever seen him actually doing a good job <laughs> no i agree anyway sorry I so yeah i just felt like hmm i don't know I love this episode because it reminded you, I mean, Crosby's one of my favorite characters, obviously, yeah. but like it reminded you of like his hubris and his like very large blind spots to him, yeah. like his very like deep flaws, which is why we love all these characters. But yeah, especially in this episode, I felt like a lot of his like jerkiness and kind of aloofness and yeah, pride, hubris came out. So definitely in those, in that scene, yeah, he was not being very nice to her at all. And I think the only thing that changed Caleb, if I may offer a, 
opinion was their their physical contact right like they made physical contact that's true and he like massaged her hand and so you know that's maybe when like sparks fly and that kind of stuff humanizing you well, know when he did find out that she practices i'm like but she already told you that she takes this very seriously i feel like all the practicing tells you is that she was telling you the truth yeah. Also, she's a, tel- a cellist. Of course, she practices. Yeah, like, I did hello. appreciate that. Just as a musician, like classical musicians, really are like ten hours is not an exaggeration. I don't think. No. Like if someone told me, if a professional cellist told me, I'm practicing ten hours a day, I, yes. I wouldn't be like, you're lying. No. And it's it's a truth about them that <laughs> I think is like unbelievable and embarrassingly obvious like that's why they're so good <laughs> because yes. they practice all the time i remember going to a friend at nyu who was a piano major and i am not like a um classical pianist you know i'm like theater pianist and i'm very good player but it's a different skill than like a concert pianist who would play like classical rep and I went to this friend's recital and just that was just so abundantly clear, like, oh, my God, I couldn't play a single piece that he did on his recital. And I realized once trying to play this piano concerto I love at home and having to go so slowly, I realized there's not actually any difference between us in terms of ability. The difference is how much he practices. It's like, oh, I never put in that kind of work. And he did that on every piece he played on that recital. Like, oh, that's the only difference. I maybe could be a concert pianist if I practice 10 hours a day, but I don't. That's such an astute observation. And also for any new listeners, Caleb is incredible. (laughs) Like you have no idea. Like you're, you're amazing. And that is that, well, that's an astute observation though. It's definitely very, difference I think the only difference yeah you're right is the time the time invested and you know all that kind of stuff so yeah I appreciated the classical snippet in this episode to give the viewers a taste instead of just listening to rock or the stuff that we usually listen to it was nice to have a classical angle yeah and the piece she was playing just in case anyone's curious (laughs) and she's not really playing I wondered like because you know Rachel their assistant was playing the piano in a previous episode and she actually was playing the Moonlight Sonata she really um, plays the piano in real life. I'm like, did they get a real cellist? No, cool. they didn't. But on November 23rd, 2011, Courtney Ford tweeted, first cello lesson today taught by at Jen Kuhn Cello. Hardcore, serious cello, Navy SEAL style. Four hours, but can't wait for the next one. Hoorah. So she wow. did at least work with the cellist. I'm assuming to fake believably. And I am not a cellist. I'm sure cellists would look at this and see everything wrong. I felt like her miming or faking the playing was pretty good. Yeah, I thought so too. I wondered if she was really playing, but I'm not a you know musician, so I had no idea. Yeah, so I thought it was pretty good. Anyway, the piece that she is, air quotes, playing throughout the episode is called Julio by Mark Summer. It's not the former host of Double Dare on Nickelodeon, but <laughs> Mark Summer is the founding cellist for the Turtle Island Quartet, which is a quartet that plays a hybrid of classical jazz and rock music. Well, it was beautiful. It was definitely in my head for days after the episode. Yeah, I went down a wormhole of various performances of it on YouTube. It's a really cool piece. We'll put some on our social meds for anyone who's interested. (laughs) Yeah. 
Love it. Okay, Melissa, I <laughs> no, no. delayed your point for like 20 minutes. No, I, I think what I was going to say is the only thing I didn't really like about the pairing of Crosby and Lily is I felt like they were sort of tweaking Crosby's character to make it be a meet cute where mm. I, I mean, I, <laughs> I know they wrote him like this in this episode, but it feels very different from how he's usually written. Like, I don't feel like he's usually a dick to people. You know, sometimes he's a little needy or he has, you know, he wants too much attention or he overshares or something. But if anything, I feel like he would have been a little too friendly with this beautiful mm. cellist. You know, I, True. I just felt like, why are you being so antagonistic to her? It didn't feel in character to me at all. And she did nothing to deserve it. She just wanted to hear how she sounded and he just immediately seemed annoyed. And anyway, it was so unlikable and Crosby can be unlikable. Don't, don't get me wrong, but this didn't feel like his brand of unlikable. So I think that was the only thing that bothered me and made it feel contrived to me. I was like, why not just let them hit it off right away? Why, why do that forced thing where, oh, we didn't like each other at first, but now we do. (laughs) It's tempestuous, but now it's actually... We're, you know, yeah. Just let them have good banter. Oh, I mean, that's what they did with Sarah and Mark. And I feel like this is a little similar, like the the banter they have, which is really uh-huh. terrific. I'm like, just have them hit it off right away. I don't know. Yeah. yeah, that would have been better. Yeah. So anyway, that was my thought. Although I did like yeah. that Lily stood up for herself and was quick to call him out. Like, yeah. Yeah. And he fun. said neurosis. Like, that is really disrespectful and I like that she just turned around and said what did you say I know good for you I would have walked out of the room and just felt like shit about myself all night (laughs) well then he says like it's just one cello track a monkey could do this and at that point he was on his way out so she just sat there and looked pissed but I was like I wish she'd gotten him for that one too because what a dick (laughs) yeah a dick Yeah. yeah seriously well, as contrived as their chemistry was, or not even their chemistry, <laughs> as contrived as their relationship was, I really did dig the resolution of their story when he heard her practicing and said, oh. that's how you wanted it to sound. I know. I that just, was so good. You know, it's so satisfying to moment. me that they connected over music. Like, if anyone's wondering what my love language is <laughs> from this podcast, it seems like be really good at something, <laughs> be have expertise and then show it to me. And then I'm like turned off. But Whether just, it's I love building it. a table. Yeah, building a, building a desk oh. or working with an autistic child. And yeah, playing the cello, you know. I loved that that's what brought him around. Yeah. I mean, it is so sexy when you see someone like working hard at something and honing their craft. It shows a lot of self-awareness and self like very self-possessed and totally. yeah no I I get it Caleb I yeah. totally get it yeah that was a great moment <laughs> well and it was very sweet that she had a specific need that he could give her you know like that you know her dropping that that comment about how she couldn't practice past 10 that didn't feel contrived at all to me. I was like, that is just nice. You know, even if you yeah. weren't interested in her to be like, you know, there's this room no one uses, you're welcome to right. it. I thought 
Yeah, that's lovely. I don't know. I didn't. I wasn't really into their bickering at the start, but I, I liked, you know, like the fact that she wasn't embarrassed when she was like, who's this Adam on the cover of this magazine? And he's like, well, that's my brother. And instead of being like, oh, sorry, I hope I didn't offend. She was like, want me to stab him with my bow? <laughs> <laughs> that's true. I was like, look at her. She's fantastic. Like, well, think, yeah, doubles down. I think maybe that's why I, okay, I want to retract my comment because I think that, well, I, I didn't want to sound like a fetch, but um, I, I think it's, I think it's because like it, she totally changes character. Like all of a sudden she turns into this like nice, like, oh, now I'm into you. So now I'm going to kind of giggle and be like, what? Crosby, what are you talking about? Let's stab him with my bow. And And at the beginning, she's just so like, and it, 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 it has to be perfect. So I, I feel, I feel you with the contrived thing, Melissa. Maybe oh. they just like were like, okay, you guys really need to hate each other in order for the just tension to build or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, I also loved. This is kind of a tangent, but I loved how she called him at the perfect time. And like, I feel like we've all like had situations like that where it's been like a bummer of a day, and then you have someone that you're like kind of excited about like just getting to know that you're not expecting to hear from and then they reach out to you and you're just like yeah this is great like it just I felt that emotion that they both like we had a tough day and like I don't know I just thought that scene was really beautiful yeah it was and she said the perfect thing you know about Mm -hmm. ever have a day that's so crappy ever have one of those days yeah Yeah. and you have to play music and he's like yes Mm -hmm. I do get that and that's interesting because as much as I love Jasmine and I loved their dynamic, you know, it is interesting to see him become interested in, a, you know, a musician. I mean, Jasmine's yes. art was dance, which is also creative, but it was it was just different. Like he seems to be relating to this woman in a way that maybe he hasn't before. Totally. Yeah. And, you know, I can't believe it didn't occur to me until now, but. The idea that he is genuinely interested in someone at this point in his story, he just slept with Jasmine. So to see him interested in someone and not like the waitress at the pancake house or whatever. Oh, yeah. But someone that there's a real spark with. I'm realizing like, oh, it's a sign that he really could maybe move on and be interested in someone else on a substantive level. Yeah. And that didn't even occur to me before, but... Even though he's treating her like garbage. Yes, why? It it could also be a sign of growth for him. Of like, oh, you're really maybe going to put Jasmine behind you as a romantic option. Well, you know, I'm sure part of the reason that Crosby was being such a little bitch to Lily (laughs) is because he was so butthurt about this interview (laughs) that Adam gave to the San Francisco Weekly. Yeah, and what about you? Tell me your relationship with music. Uh, I enjoy music. Um, <laughs> my good. brother's the one who's got all the passion. You know. Well, yeah, but I mean, you must share it on some level, right? Otherwise, how do you undertake such a huge endeavor at this risky time? Well, honestly, I am still shocked that I wound up here because I, I used to work in the shoe industry oh. for 15 years, but then I lost my job, so. Oh, sorry, like a lot of people in America. Yeah, yeah, I guess. It's funny, you know, I'd, I'd see those unemployment statistics in the newspaper and you know you don't think it's going to be you and suddenly there I was unemployed two kids another one on the way that's scary it was scary my wife was uh really freaked out you know pregnant and I'd lined up this other job that was a step down and but anyway Crosby you know my knob-headed younger brother came running at me with this idea this big crazy idea and he saw this place and he had a vision you know 
And it was crazy, you know, it truly was crazy. Yeah. But uh, I don't know, it was like a dream. It was a time when I desperately needed a dream. So, you know, I guess you could say that music saved my life. Can I just say, I love Peter Krauss as an actor. I just think he's so natural and it's like, you're just, it's so real to me. Like everything he says, yeah. I just believe. He's just so good. You know, we've been really hard on Adam in this podcast. And I don't know if we remember often enough to say how incredible his portrayer is. Like, yeah. I mean, he is so natural. That's the perfect word for him. Like that scene could seem really cheesy where he's sort of Eight. having an interview without meaning to give her an interview. He's just kind of forgetting and he's like just talking is what it felt like to me. Yes. But I felt like he did that so seamlessly. Yeah. Yes. I, I think I have a little bit of sympathy for Adam just because I'm that person in my family that everybody like needs something from mm. that, is, that. That is like the go-to. I mean, the oldest child sort of thing. Are you both the oldest, by the way? We're both the or, youngest. Yeah. You're both the youngest. Yeah. Okay. Ugh. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't know. No, I'm just kidding. I just, I, I feel for him because he like obviously likes to do it but I mean there is a sort of like stress level that compounds when you're the like go-to person in your family so I but yeah he is so annoying like the what I love (laughs) about the show is that all these characters like you're like oh my god can you just but they're so relatable yes but they're so relatable because of that and I that's what Jason we're on a first name basis that's what he does so well is just (laughs) creating these like you know characters that really have deep flaws and like soaring triumphs that we just really connect to so beautifully and it's funny i think this is an instance where knowing some of the actors previous work actually enhances the enjoyment of this show because like to know peter krauser from six feet under as nate fisher he seems like such just like an innately nice a nice guy as adam that you Mm -hmm. might think oh he's just kind of like being himself Mm -hmm. and yet as Nate Fisher on Six Feet Under, he is not an innately nice guy. No. Right. He's all kinds of fucked up <laughs> in that. And yet it's not like, well, yeah, but he had this like huge physical transformation or this character quirk or something like that really sets it apart. No, he's kind he is kind of just himself in both of them. But the characters couldn't be more different. And then you realize, oh no, he's acting. for both of them and he's just really good at it really good yeah i'm just a fan of an actor who like you 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 think they're just being themselves but because it's so natural yeah like but no i think and i loved his portrayal of that interview because i mean as you know smart viewers we all knew where it was heading like as soon as crosby stepped out of the room i'm like i know exactly what's gonna happen but you can really tell that he didn't expect anything, that he was just talking, that he was just telling his story and not trying to usurp him in any way. So yeah, I thought that that was kind of brilliantly done actually. Yeah. And I had, I have to say, he does have the better story. It's much more interesting. I totally get, even though I hate it when non-artists are celebrated for artistic (laughs) achievements. I mean, like any movie or TV show where someone is really good at something artistic. It's almost always like, pull this random kid out of the audience who's never sung before. They actually have the best voice. Not that kid who's been in voice lessons all these years and is just a robot. Like, that's right. not real life. In real life, no. you have to actually work. You have to be Lily. You have to practice 10 hours a yeah. day. Those yes. are the people who are best. Yes. But it does make a good story. And so I, 
I thought like, yeah, yeah, the story here is not the musician who opened a recording studio. The story is the guy who worked in the shoe biz for 15 years <laughs> and now is running a recording studio. What what's that about? Yeah, that's what I, I was much more interesting. I loved how the reporter when he said I was in the shoe biz, she went, oh, <laughs> I know. So he was like, she said, he said he was at war or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I guess that's profound for some reason. <laughs> yeah, it would have made so much more sense if she'd said that after he said he lost his job, but he was right. just, yeah, like, oh, <laughs> I was in the shoe biz. You know what? I actually think that's the perfect reaction because those were horrible times, him working at the shoe they store. Yeah. For real. Oh. I was going to say that something I didn't notice until I was doing my second watch for this is that Crosby's sort of joking when he says that music saved his life. And maybe you both got this right off, but it sounds like this very profound, beautiful line that Adam stole. What an ass. But really, Crosby just throws that out there as a joke when he said that he always wanted to be a musician, except for that one year he wanted to be Evil Knievel. Remember, I jumped mm-hmm. over all the milk cart, you yeah. know, the, the, and so then when he said, so music saved my life, I think it's so I didn't go down the path of being Evil Knievel. Maybe that was obvious to everyone, but. Oh, it wasn't, because I was like, in what way did <laughs> did that line even make sense for you? I just wasn't listening closely enough. Well, it didn't hit me until the second time. And so I was like, oh, so Adam did take that line, but probably didn't think it was sacred because Crosby was joking. And that makes it a lot less bad, in my opinion, that he's like, so I guess you could say music saved my life. You know, like he's he's just kind of also using that tongue in cheek. I also thought that he was doing a really nice kind of kind sibling thing by tying it back to his brother who oh, said it. Yeah. Like, it's, like you yeah. know, like like taking what he said and, you know, like reminding them of the person that they're supposed to be mainly interviewing. Yeah. Like um, ditto, ditto my brother, it. but for a different yeah. reason. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Which is yeah. so ironic because then Crosby thinks he like betrayed him, you know, but I that, that's how I took it anyway. Yeah. But yeah, the totally. Evil Knievel line ran. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I didn't get the Evil Knievel connection, <laughs> but I did get that Adam wasn't stealing it. He was just referencing it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I never felt like Adam had done anything devious or, no. you know. No. Not I thought at all. this was a really great conflict because I simultaneously did not think Adam had done anything wrong. But I, I did, even though Crosby comes off as really petty sometimes in this episode. Oh, yeah. I also did, when he says that part about, you know, I'm the one who's been doing this forever. And if, you know, I got his frustration, like that that mm-hmm. would be hurtful to be the one who basically started this whole thing. It's not like Adam would have done this on his own. It's not like he had any idea how to do it. It's all happening because of Crosby and for Adam to get all that credit would be incredibly frustrating. I don't know if that translates to being mad at Adam, though. You know, like, understand that this is just how it fell. And I think that's ultimately where he lands. But anyway. I think the other brilliant thing about all of the conflicts and the arguments, the really heated arguments that happen with the siblings and parents in this show is that all of these conflicts are seemingly, like you said, kind of petty, but they're opening really old like Mm. that's with like with like everything like when you have a roommate that doesn't do the dishes it's not it's you're not mad about the dishes you're mad about all of the carelessness that 
they show or like your other little petty conflicts that come out with, you didn't do the dishes, you know? Hey, you think you can get over yourself and come back to the game? What is the problem? I asked you if you were mad and you said you were cool about it. Yeah, I said I wasn't mad because I was being nice. That's what partners do. They also apologize to one another when they screw each other over. Really? All you gotta do is say I'm sorry. I don't have anything to say I'm sorry for, okay? I just answered a couple simple questions and you went to get your punk face guitar so you could get back to grandstanding in front of the reporter. I'm, I'm sorry, she happened to like my angle better. You know what, if I had gone into the shoe business with you and they named me the most important shoe designer of the year after I'd been in the business for five seconds, that would bother you. Cause that's your dream and I would say sorry. I didn't want to be in the cover of the magazine. I had no idea that your need for attention was oh, so great. Oh, this is crap. Oh no, it's not. Just I admit it. Admit you like it. Okay, Crosby, I admit it. I like it, okay? I like being in the cover of that magazine. I like the fact that the reporter found a little chapter of my life interesting. I like that my son, who doesn't pay any attention to me, suddenly thought that I was cool. But you know what? Tomorrow, everything's gonna return to normal. I'm gonna be the boring business guy and you get to go back to be cool, hip Crosby, all right? Cosby, yeah, I mean, the fact that he's worked so hard and he always probably feels like Adam gets the spotlight, Adam gets everything that he wants, Adam gets everything so easy, handed to him. And then of course he gets the, the thing that's mine. Like, mm -hmm. and and then I think with Adam, you know, I, I don't think he did anything wrong. And I think that's really where he was coming from being like, oh my God, my brother is just so, like he's on me about this and I didn't do anything. He's so like prideful. And, and I will say I, my main gripe with Crosby, because like you, Melissa, I definitely felt where he was coming from. But my main gripe is that he said, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm totally fine. I was like, Oh my God, no, you're not like, just <laughs> admit that you're not. Yeah. Just stop trying to like put it under the rug. So I definitely think this conflict opened a lot of like unhealed wounds for Crosby and Adam. Such yeah. a good point. That's really passive aggressive. If he could have just said, I know I shouldn't be mad and I know that you yeah. didn't do anything wrong, but my feelings are hurt and yeah. I just ha I need some time to process that. But that's hard for anyone to say. And I, I think it's especially hard for men to say. Um, totally. I don't know. Caleb, is it hard for you to say like that your feelings are hurt? Like, like harder to admit that than being pissed or being, I don't know. I don't know. I think, at least for me, if I know, not even know, if I think on some level that my hurt feelings are a little bit irrational, uh, as Crosby, I think, probably does know, Yeah, it is hard for me to admit. Like, I don't know that I would ever tell the person because I would feel like I didn't have a right to. So that is, that's interesting. Maybe he doesn't want to get into it with Adam because... He actually knows Adam didn't do anything. One, one of the questions I was going to ask you guys is if you've ever felt like Crosby, like overshadowed in a way that maybe you knew was petty, but it still mm. really bothered you. And I couldn't think of one except now I'm, I maybe am thinking of one, which is I, I worked on a project right before the pandemic shut everything down with a boss that I really did not enjoy working with. But the boss didn't know this. And when the project was done, he kind of promised me that he would hire me the next time he was working on something. And then and I, in my mind, I was thinking, well, I will say no because I don't want to mm -hmm. work with you again. But then the next time there was a project that came up that he was working on, he hired a friend of mine who he had worked with before many, many times. And I love this friend. I wouldn't have begrudged him taking it at all. And I wouldn't have wanted the job. And yet I was crazy jealous mm. because I felt like, oh, so you weren't even 
<laughs> telling me the truth when you said that. And I remember talking to Melissa about it, saying, I'm jealous over this opportunity that I wouldn't even want if it were handed to me. Well, and that feels kind of similar. Like, hmm. I know okay. in my head, you don't actually have anything to be upset about because you're not doing a job that you wouldn't want to do. But in my like gut or heart or something, I felt really envious mm-hmm. and a little bit, I felt lied to. Mm-hmm. Well, and maybe I, I was say, a little lied to. I don't know. Well, you were, you have a right to be mad. I mean, that that's deception, you know, even if you don't want it, like somebody told you something and they didn't follow through. So yeah, yeah. I'm on your side, Caleb. Anyway, have either of you ever <laughs> felt like you didn't get credit for something or you felt overshadowed by someone you thought maybe was less deserving? I am sure I have, but I cannot think of a specific occurrence. I really connect with you earlier, Caleb, saying, I know I shouldn't be upset, but I am. And and there's that delicate line of like, do I create a conflict when I'm totally, like, I've definitely been jealous. Like, I've definitely, you know, gone out for the same part for a friend or with a friend and, you know, the friend got it. So, of course, I'm like, I'm so happy for you, but I'm also really jealous and I'm not going to say that out loud. You know what I mean? So I definitely get that kind of tough emotion where I'm like, you just, you got to figure this one out on yourself, by yourself, girl. You got to just, you got to soothe yourself on this one. You don't need to go externally for it. You know, this is something that it's valid to feel, but that you don't need to make anyone else feel bad by saying that out loud. So there are situations like that I can think of. That's so well articulated because that's exactly what I feel often is like, this is a self thing, not that I need to make it external. Mm -hmm. Because I think probably, especially artists, I feel that way with people who get jobs I want all the time like I could do that job really well and it's not even that the other person couldn't although sometimes I'm like I know I could do it better than that person right (laughs) but I didn't get it and I'm sure that there's like yeah that person got that part or oh that person got published in that thing that I submitted to but right I think my poem was better than theirs (laughs) I will say a poetry one that was ridiculous was I applied for Kansas Poet Laureate and it's not even like I thought I was gonna get it I in fact thought there's no way I'm going to get it but then somehow I just got excited while I was like submitting all the materials and I was like what if I got it (laughs) then I did not get it and um I didn't know who got it at first and I was like well it's probably someone much older than I am uh, and then it was someone younger <laughs> and I was like oh no <laughs> but they're really good you know so it wasn't like I thought I was worthier I just I was surprised at how disappointed I was about something I did not think I was going to get in the first place you know something kind of right. kind of lofty like a lofty goal that I, I do hope to have at some point in my life but why, why did I think I was going to get it the very first time I applied? I don't know. <laughs> and then the other example I was thinking of while, while you were asking this question was, I remember back at my old school in Pittsburgh where I teach, I was nominated for like teacher of the year, which was very cool. But I had a feeling I was not going to win because it was me and then the theater teacher and the yearbook teacher. And I was like, both of their work is really public. Lots of people mm. see it. It was not voted on by students. It was voted on like by the community. I'm like, what does oh. the community know about my teaching? Like they don't know anything about what's happening in my classroom. And so that I thought both of those teachers were phenomenal. But I also thought 
I'm never going to win something like yeah. that because no one mine's private. I, so that anyway, those are my two examples I could think of. Oh, hmm. those are those are tough, and and it's so hard being in arts or creative field because I, as well as I'm sure both of you are a huge proponent in supporting other artists yes. and other people. And especially as a woman, I definitely feel like there can be a lot of animosity in the theater industry. And I'm so pro being proud of, you know, and, yes. and uplifting other artists and sharing other women's names in, in rooms that matter and that kind of stuff. But, you know, I'm also, I've also done a lot of work on myself this year to allow my emotions when, when they come up, even if they are like, not fair, quote unquote, or not, or petty, quote unquote, you know, it's like, but they're there. Yeah. And it's just, it's just that, that discernment of what to, what to tell my therapist and what to tell my <laughs> friends, you know what I mean? That's like, good. or like what to, what to deal with on my own or what to enlist help with from, from other people. So I definitely think it's that fine line that everybody feels when you miss out on an opportunity and someone else gets it. Of course, you're happy that good work is being showcased, but yeah. It's, it's a tough balance. It is. And again, you articulated it so well because that feeling of I'm a little unjustified feeling this way can so right. easily turn into these feelings are ridiculous. And it's, right. that's different. That's a different thought. And I think that one is really not helpful. I was going to say, because then you're, then you're just like in, yeah, then you're just like in denial of like, how dare you feel this? It's like, yeah. I am feeling it. Yeah. Maybe don't put it on someone else and make it their problem right. when right. it is a self issue but it can so easily be no we're allowed our emotions yeah we are allowed and if we shame ourselves for feeling something that we literally cannot control we cannot control our feelings and oftentimes we can't control our thoughts either so it's like if we shame ourselves for that it just gets into a really ugly downward spiral and we just have to be accepting and yeah that's my mental health rant for the day that's good (laughs) that's really good well and i think that for me acknowledging my feelings is a an important step in working through them, processing them, mm-hmm. and acknowledging them to yourself, or even talking about them here like this, but not blaming somebody else for getting an opportunity right. and, and not knocking other people. Like it's important for, for this processing and also for maybe figuring out what really matters. I think sometimes it's important to reframe. Like I love teaching and I love writing. And the really validating part is not actually winning like a teacher of the year award or, you know, getting some prestigious uh, honor. It's students laughing in my class, you know, and like really getting the material or having a, a good time, a good experience with me. And with writing, it's somebody saying like, oh, I loved that poem or, you know, that book really connected with me. And, and I think it just really helps to figure it out. And I wonder if Crosby, by the end of this episode, sort of gets like, how lucky, I mean, Lily says that to him, right? We're so lucky to do what we love. Right. And it doesn't really matter if he's on the cover of a magazine, his dream has come true. He's opened the studio with his brother. Look at him actually (laughs) not appreciating it and treating one of his clients like garbage because he's so maybe (laughs) preoccupied with something that really doesn't matter, like the cover of a magazine. And the pandemic, I feel like, has been so uniquely hard on people in the arts. You know, like my job depends upon a lot of strangers cramming into small spaces. So I've been unable to do it. And I felt in a lot of ways like the culture at large doesn't appreciate the unique 
frustration of that for people in my position, but has also made me more appreciative of the fact that I get to have a job that I love as I peruse job listings for things I have zero passion for. Yeah. And I realized, mm-hmm. oh, this is what probably most people feel about their jobs all the time. Absolutely. And okay, so yes, I am in a unique position during the pandemic. But if that is the price I pay to do something I love in normal times, then maybe it's an okay trade-off. Well, absolutely. And I loved how they resolved the fight too, how they just both essentially conceded a little bit and how he hung up the picture. Uh, and that was my like, that was my like, I, every episode, there's like a, <laughs> oh, my throat hurts. I'm about to <laughs> elicit a sob. Yeah, that was my like, I was like, oh my God, how big of him. And like, Adam just like looks at it. And I also think it's just, a little little tangent. I, I I think it was interesting seeing Adam feeling good about this and his reaction to like feeling good. And I don't think it was all from Max, although of course that moment was beautiful too. Was. You know, I actually the first time I watched this episode, I had an unexpected moment of Hello. Are you crying? <laughs> <laughs> We haven't used that (laughs) in like two seasons. We haven't time to bring it back. And I'm not saying it's going to come back and stay for good. Bring it back. I did not expect to cry just from this little like two line exchange. What do you think, Max? Think I look cool on the cover of the weekly? I think it's awesome. Yeah. And I started crying. I think just because, you know, Max is... He is so frustrating a lot of times in ways that are, you know, not within his control. And even just hearing it now, the way Adam asked that question, you could tell he did not expect any kind of (laughs) real answer. And then to get one and to get one from Max. And then that he didn't didn't say anything about it. He went right back to doing his work, but you could just tell what (sighs) it meant to him. I'm like, oh, my God how something like that can turn into a moment of triumph is incredible. We've all had those moments where like we, our family member or even a friend or a mentor just says something that like means so much to us and we're not expecting. So like, and his, and his um, delivery of that too, just again, the simplicity, just the, the simple yeah I think it's awesome I just oh my god yeah that really got me too I was like oh my god Uh, so good well and you know again we keep talking about how hard we've been on Adam and how we're like god he's just like (laughs) Max find me interesting Hattie put your cell phone down and talk to me and we're like god how old are you but I will say it must be hard to want to be relevant to your family and to consistently yeah. maybe feel like you're not. Um, I mean, Christina always appreciates him, I think, but, but, you know, mm-hmm. it might, it might be hard for your kids not to. And to the point where, yeah, like you said, Caleb, he just sort of threw that line out there probably as a little bit of a joke. 
<laughs> like, and Max will say no. Let's have someone bring me down to earth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, right. Yeah. And then instead, for him to validate him, that was really beautiful. And I do think he yeah. deserved that. And I think that maybe had a little bit of an influence on Crosby when Adam threw that out there during their fight. Yes. I, th- I think I think that that's the stop. only thing that did. I really yeah. think that everything else went in, went on deaf ears. But then when I think that he brought up, it's the only thing my son looks at me and I don't remember the exact words. But yeah, I think I definitely think that was what Crosby heard. Yeah. Yeah. And to pick up on something you said a while back, Elena, that was like straight out of my own thoughts, too. I did think this conflict was pretty stupid and silly at first. It's <laughs> like, oh, come on, Crosby, grow up. And Mostly I still do. So get over yourself, Crosby. <laughs> but one thing I love about family shows in general is with families, there is kind of a built-in well of issues yes. that can just be returned to forever because yeah. they never actually resolve. Because yeah. the people have to stay together because they're family. I mean, they don't yep. have to, but they often do. Yep. And I think there is one here about how Adam and Crosby have each crafted their identity within their family. And Adam is the buttoned up, responsible, nice guy. And Crosby is the hip, cool, tons of fun guy. And when those self-conceptions get challenged, they're very, well, Crosby is very insecure. And, you know, like we said, we thought that maybe that had some bearing on Adam's kiss with Rachel. Mm. That he wanted to be desired by her because he's never desired by anyone. He's just the good guy. But to have the hot young woman who's flirting with Crosby actually be interested in Adam, well, that must make him feel good about himself. I completely forgot about (laughs) it. I cannot wait to watch this whole series again. Oh, my gosh. Even though he never admitted to anything like that. But I think that is a really interesting point. And Melissa, I think you were the one who brought it up. And then here, too, you know, that Adam says, tomorrow I won't be a big deal anymore. Like, this is a very temporary thing. But you get to live your whole life as the cool guy, and I don't. And that he's probably always envious of him. And we've actually, we have definitely seen Crosby be envious of Adam getting benefits of the doubt that he doesn't get. You know, everyone assumes that everything Crosby does is kind of a screw-up and he's irresponsible. And it's not always warranted. But he does have a reputation. Yeah. yeah. And Adam has his reputation. And yeah. you know, they're not always fair, but and I think that's so true. And it's like you're probably never gonna really resolve that because it's just who you guys are and it's how everyone sees you. Yeah. That is such a good point, Caleb, that like families, you're right, they oftentimes stay together, but they have these issues that are recurring and maybe they only show up once a year at Christmas when everyone's drinking wine or whatever. Yeah. But like those those issues are they're not going away. I always think and of that episode of Gilmore Girls, Friday Night's All Right for Fighting, when they just have this montage of the whole Gilmore family yelling at each other. And by the end of it, you hear from another room Lorelai going, We were 16. We didn't want to get married. When you get pregnant, you get married. A child needs a mother and a father. Oh, my God. And you realize, oh, all these years later, even though everything has worked out so well, they are both still furious about that. And that's oh so gosh. true. Yeah. yeah. They're always that's gonna, that's gonna be underneath every conflict they ever have is the pain from that moment. And that's true. That is the beauty of family too, because like you can fight more honestly. Like, I mean, I feel like with friends, it's very hard to get to a place of like we can 
call each other out on our BS or even partners sometimes where you can call each other out on your BS and know that the other person is still going to be around. Like it doesn't give you permission to, of course, be cruel or be abusive, obviously, but I feel like more honest fighting can happen and more honest, like, because you know that like, well, again, in most cases that we're still going to be family no matter what, and we're still going to be in each other's lives and that kind of stuff. So it's, it is very interesting. Yeah. Well, moving on to Sarah and Mark in this episode, first of all, just a little, like, I loved this note. Sarah's wince after her doctor says <laughs> an older woman like you. Yeah. I she noticed just that. Has this very subtle, but very funny. Like, that hurts. (laughs) I thought she was so funny in that entire scene with her gynecologist. Like the delivery of like the line, I was thinking about having a baby. (laughs) I wrote that down. I wrote that down. Yeah. Or like, I'm going to put my pants on and leave. (laughs) She's so great. She's so good. Well, Sarah suggests Mark for this poker game of Adam and Crosby's and they're so insistent. They're like, well, you know, we're really serious about this game. (laughs) I thought so serious about poker that they've never mentioned it in the previous two and a half years. Ever. And who are these people? It's the first rule of poker. You don't talk about poker. (laughs) Oh my God. Who are the toxically masculine friends? Like who are these? Like so much. That was, I mean, I know this is like a different time, but that was like one of the things I wrote. I was like, there's a ton of toxic masculinity happening at this poker game, if I'm being honest. Yes, my exact note is, who are these friends of Crosby's and Adams? Do we ever see them again? I hate the redhead guy who says, girls, girls, you're both pretty. I was yes. like, fuck that guy. <laughs> like, God. like that was his way of calming enough, down. And, he said, and enough with, he said enough with the kissing too. When they were just talking, yeah. I was like, oh my God, I hate, like, can we get rid of the like homosexual jokes? Like I'm, I'm so over that whole, like, oh, oh, I'm going to joke about that showing emotion to each other. Oh my God. Maybe so mad. I hated him. I was also like, I wish Mark had brought Biscotti. That would have just really upended expectations for everybody. I, I've, I loved his play to joke on them. Though. It was so funny. Like no, I I'm actually, so good. it's cheese sticks. <laughs> I'd forgotten that joke. And at my first reaction when he did say, I brought biscotti, I was like, oh no, 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 no. Everyone's gonna make fun of you. I was, yeah. And then I'm like, oh, you're so clever and great. (laughs) Subverting those masculine expectations. Yeah. But by fulfilling them. (laughs) (laughs) I think he was too smart for everybody at that table in a lot of ways. Not Joel. Joel, like, I think appreciated him. Joel's great. But I think when he was, you know, like that is a funny joke and I don't think they laughed hard enough you know like the idea that they just handed him a pink box and so he's like I'm gonna go with this (laughs) that's great yeah and he even brought it back around again he mentioned it again he's like oh biscotti (laughs) like trying to do the recall (laughs) I think that's why their fight got so intensified too because it was in that environment of like I'm better than you no I'm better than you no I'm better than you Yeah. yeah it's like an accelerant to they yes. have this bad little rift between them and then you put it in this flammable <laughs> climate and then it's just going to ignite oh yeah. that's really smart yeah, yeah. patriarchal environment <laughs> <Just> yeah. <kidding. laughs> 
when Mark and Adam had kind of an interesting chemistry, I found it a little laughable that Mark was like, he's a foot taller than me and he's got this big, deep voice. I'm like, like, I don't think he's that much taller than you. And his voice is the same pitch as yours. (laughs) But anyway, their chemistry was a little tainted for me by feelings of. Yeah. We're bringing it all back today. Just knowing that. One of them is fictitiously dating Lauren Graham, and the other one is actually dating Lauren Graham. Okay, I was like, I was... are you like interviewing someone to sleep with your fake girlfriend? I don't know. No, I noticed it right from the beginning of this episode. I'm like, it's been a while since we've seen some romantic chemistry. But like, notice how Sarah just goes out, joins the guys all talking, takes Adam's drink. Takes his beer, yeah. Drinks it. I'm like, I have literally never done that to my brother. Like, I would Me never neither. be like... That is something you do to your boyfriend, like your significant other. You do not just drink your sibling's drink. That's very intimate. I'm just saying. Yeah. Yeah. And there was one deleted scene where (laughs) they were one-on-one, Sarah and Adam. And it was just her kind of selling him on asking Mark Mark again. It's like, oh, this is just even more. And I did not understand what the hell Crosby and Adam's problem was. They needed a guy they like Sarah. They think she's cool even. And and so anyone she's dating, they would probably, I mean, maybe it's like so all the way back have, from Seth. Like maybe they're like, I have a little insight on this okay. just because I feel like my life has, I've had like two major relationships and they've both been very Sarah and Mark Okay, where it's like, yes, there's a lot of commitment and it gets to that point where they're about to do the thing and it's totally potential, but it just doesn't work out for whatever reason. But my family and honestly, my friends, like, because they've seen me hurt in the past, they love me, but they know that like the breakup might be imminent. Of course they're kind and stuff, but I think they're just being protected. I think like Crosby said it so bluntly in that scene of like, well, when you guys break up, you know, and of, and of course he's kidding, but also he's not, mm-hmm. you know, I kidding think on the it's, square. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I think that they've been dating what six months at this point like something like that maybe so it's like the point where it's like okay yeah you've met the family like you're you're definitely serious but like is this gonna be someone that's in our lives forever or is this gonna be someone that's in our lives for the next year and then he breaks your heart and you start over again and we have to find a new guy for poker (laughs) exactly so I I understood that to a T and then also the scene with Mark and Sarah where she like they're walking on the street and she asks him and it's funny because so this is my first like I watched this episode blind and obviously I knew in my head the Mark and Sarah arc but like on first watch I was like is Mark really into this like he seems like not really into it like because he's just like oh yeah I talked to your brother and I guess and oh do you want me to do this Uh, I don't know blah 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 instead of like do you like you know do you and then of course he is And then, of course, they have that great ending scene, which I'm sure we'll get to. But upon the first watch, I was sort of like, oh, they're they're really tiptoeing around this. They're like not they're not quite ready to, like, take that next step. You know what I mean? I just thought that was interesting. When do you mean about the poker game or about the baby? I mean, about like life, about like like just moving forward in a relationship. Like, obviously, they're serious Mm -hmm. and they're getting more serious, but there's a point in relationships, right, where you start telling people like, yeah, 
like this is this is it or this is the one or you know I definitely think we'll get married someday or I definitely think we're gonna have a kid or whatever but this episode was like that tipping point of like we're not sure we're like we're serious but are we gonna really go there you know that kind of thing see I liked that scene because I thought it was really like fun and clever way to show that they're just obviously thinking about different things. And sure. If she was not having the baby stuff in her head, I think she also would not really care if he plays poker, you know, with the guys. And so like when he was like, yeah, if it doesn't work out, it's not a big deal on that level. She would agree, but I think she's so preoccupied with all this baby stuff that she's like, are you saying the whole relationship, if it doesn't work out, it's not a big deal? And he's obviously not saying that, but like, so it was kind of fun. I enjoyed it, by the way, because I feel like it's one of the rare instances where she seems more vulnerable and invested than he does. I think almost always it's the other way around. And so it was kind of nice to see her like unsure and him be the the one who was able to be confident. I liked that. Well, and this is helping me because I was like confused by her reticence to bring it up because it seems like she often is sort of the leader of their relationship. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so for her to to be so concerned about this and then like, well, not bad. I can't possibly talk to him about it. Like, What? Yeah. That doesn't feel yeah. like you. But these are all good points. And then I did have to, I wondered if, watching this as it was broadcast would have helped too, because I had to look back and remember that episode 311 is where Mark mentioned the baby and that aired on November 29th. And then this episode, when they talk about it next aired on January 10th. So if that was supposed to be lining up, then it's like, Oh, he brought it up. And then you haven't talked about it for like a month and a half. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Then I understand a little more <laughs> where she's Instead coming of, from. Of like, oh, maybe I maybe I shouldn't bring it up because he clearly doesn't want to. Instead of him bringing it up and then two days later being like, why hasn't <laughs> right. he brought it up again? Yeah, I was like, calm down, Sarah. But. <laughs> well, and she's probably also like trying to sort out a bunch of stuff. Like, does she even want to do this? And I yeah. feel like in this episode, she seems like she does. And this... This is a weird theory, but I almost wonder if she is getting more excited about doing it because he isn't bringing it up. And it's like she's working herself into a frenzy. Like, it's such human nature to want things more when we think we can't have them. And she yes. wasn't, I, I will say, she wasn't freaked out when he brought it up the first time. You know, he was like, are, are you freaked out? And she said, I'm at a two. And it was a real cute <clears throat> moment. But, you know, the fact that he then doesn't bring it up it probably any freaked outness she might have been feeling was like replaced with, does he still want to do this with me? Why wouldn't he? Aren't I great? Let's why, you know, and then it might make her lean more towards doing it. Even like, whereas if he'd been like, yeah, let's get on this. Let's do this now. That might have scared her. And mm-hmm. <laughs> although that is kind of what the guy now said, I mean, and I'm sure Sarah knows that even if it is possible Time's a waste. Like, yeah. if oh, yeah. she is going to do this, better do now mm-hmm. than later. Mm-hmm. And it's not something that they can just be like, oh, let's kick it down the road five years. Like, no, yeah. you no, really. You can't. For for safety's sake. <laughs> is it 40 the new 30? Not for your ovaries. <laughs> it's like, all right. <laughs> not for your ovaries. I know. I love that line. <laughs> oh, my God. Ugh. And I loved, I loved their conversation in the morning Ugh. just about it. It was just so, like real and and like honest and both of them just totally saying I'm not even sure I want that. and yeah I'm not even sure either you know I'm just I'm, and then like really like 
she was just really acknowledging everything he said. And you could tell that they were both really nervous, you know, mm-hmm. like, I just thought that was a really, that was a, a good moment, a good, like human, awkward, exciting conversation. And then of course, how they ended it was so beautiful. It's just like, I'm not nervous. I'm excited. I was like, <laughs> amazing. <laughs> I love how she kind of like kicked him a little with her foot and then he leaned over and like kissed her foot. That was so oh. intimate and beautiful yeah Yeah. it felt very real I took special note of that because I like I can't imagine that that was scripted or like blocked it it did feel so natural and then I thought just imagine the like comfort level you'd have to have with a fellow actor Mm -hmm. not with a boyfriend or girlfriend to randomly kiss their foot yeah like to know like this won't freak them out crossing a line or anything yeah (laughs) that's like and they're like, I, yeah, I'm fine putting my lips on your ankle. Yeah. No Peter worries. Krause is sitting on the sidelines just like, get <laughs> your mouth bitch. off of her foot. Come on. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I want to ask you guys about the night before that great conversation. What do you think was behind the decision to have Sarah be drunk in this scene. What's going on? There's a matter that we need to discuss that both Christina and Julia and uh, my doctor, gynecologist, doctor lady, we have been instructed to discuss. That is why I'm here. Okay. So both Christina, Julia, and your gynecologist, both of all three of those Both people. of them. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is... You said you wanted to maybe have a baby and then we never talked about it again. I said, yes, that's true. I did did say that. I I think this is a conversation we should have when we're sober in the morning. Why? (laughs) Why not? I'm fine. No, I I would feel more comfortable if we did it tomorrow in in the light of day. I like all of our faculties functioning. It's all right. Don't use there's an invisible line. (gasps) I know. (laughs) You know, I didn't find it funny when I watched it, but now listening to it, I'm like cracking up. I thought it was so funny. I think there are many reasons why they did it this way. Number one, it was hilarious. And I think it's just a showcase for both of them and their chemistry, which I continue to just love. Oh, love. Love. But number two, I do think there's some truth in that sometimes when people are really, really nervous to broach something, they might be more likely to do it, you know, drunk, you know, like, like liquid courage, liquid courage. Yeah. I think that's exactly what that was. And, you know, I don't know if this was an intention or just an effect of her doing that, but it just reminds you how great he is. I think he handles that (sighs) perfectly. You know, like he, number one, he corrects her grammar in a way that isn't obnoxious, which I think is really hard to do. Like, (laughs) that's Melissa's version of (laughs) cello player. Yes. (laughs) Like, yeah, I correct that grammar. your turn on you're turned on to people who correct grammar kindly <laughs> kindly because people do it and i almost always hate it i'm like ugh, just no like keep sometimes it. it's who <laughs> right right god that's great but i thought it was just very cute to, to be like both of all three yes. of those people and it was obvious he wasn't being mean it was just a very cute little thing but um also for him to just 
say we need to talk about this tomorrow, not because yes. he was deflecting or didn't actually want to talk about it, but because he was right. They shouldn't talk about this yes. when they're drunk. That's a bad idea. And I love that he says when we're sober, even though he's clearly sober. He had like a beer or two. Oh my God. You know? I know he was like, I've had a few too. I'm like, honey, you haven't had what she's, she's had. had. It did make me wonder, You're like, did she drive levels. there? That's yeah, I sure hope I wondered she did. that too. I wondered that. I was like, oh God, I hope not. Maybe she's Ubered. Yeah, she took a cab or whatever. Yeah, no, totally. But I just, those are all the reasons why. Well, maybe Christina dropped her off. There you go. Christina dropped her off, definitely. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so that's why I think they they went that way. I also loved how he just backpacking off of that backpacking. Okay, I'm all right. That's <laughs> let's a new keep term. it. Let's, let's use it. <laughs> backpacking off of that. Um, uh, I loved how he stood up for himself in a very clear and kind way as well when he said, I'd feel more comfortable. Mm-hmm. You know, like he wasn't just like, no, you're drunk. Right. We can't talk about this right now. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, not judgy of her. No. 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 And I just, yeah, he, I think he handled it so beautifully and how he was like enamored with the fact that she was so drunk. Like he was just like, okay, you're cute. You know, like (laughs) instead of being like, I don't know, judgy or whatever. Yeah. He's the best. As soon as like, I heard his like voice when you were playing it from your phone, I was like, Oh, I just <laughs> love him. I had such a crush on him when I watched the it, the series all the way through, as I know many people out there too have had. But yeah, he's just the best. We all just debate. So we all debate on like who's the perfect guy, who's the perfect girl on the show, and <sighs> it's it's like a toss up between Joel and Mark. I think <laughs> just like oh my god, genuinely Doctor Joe <laughs> and Doctor Joe for Caleb. Yeah, that's true. Oh yes, <laughs> yeah, definitely. But yeah, I, I, that's a really good point too. The fact that he finds her drunkenness like sweet and kind of silly. And mm-hmm. I love that he won't let her be embarrassed. She's obviously so embarrassed. And that's, I think, yeah. why she does that weird thing where she's like, there's an invisible line. <laughs> and then he just like pushes past it. And she's like, what? You know, and <laughs> I mean, I really like that he just does his best to make sure it doesn't get awkward. You know, like he's not ready to talk about it. Uh, until the morning for good reason but she obviously wants to go hide or be like you can't get past this invisible line I'm so and I think that he makes sure that it's okay as much as he can I did keep thinking though in the morning like the fact that they had the conversation right away I was like oh she's hung over and having this conversation (laughs) like that's gotta hurt Oh, and she way. looks so embarrassed and like she's got that pillow covering her face like what I know. I <laughs> Although it know. is nice that really what they talk about in the morning is like are we ready to have this conversation? I mean they yeah, they sort of clear the air to then have the real yeah. hashing out of it. That's a good point. And she does request toast before that. It's like good, soak up <laughs> soak up some of that alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I also thought in I loved that morning conversation too though and one thing that occurred to me during it is that Mark is probably freaked out just about having children in general and not freaked out b- maybe beyond that, but just that is a big decision to really yeah. be contemplating. Well, Cause he's what? 28. I think so. I think so. Yeah. yeah. But that concept in the abstract wouldn't freak Sarah out because she's had two kids. Right. Yeah. So it's just another way in which they are in different points of their life. Yeah. Him yeah. even contemplating having kids, not at 40 or at whatever age, but just at all, because he doesn't have them, is a big deal. And for her, she crossed that hurdle long ago. Yeah. yeah. Right. I love them. Yeah. <sighs> Hope they're going to be okay. Love them. 
I love them too. Just such like natural, like that's such a good point about the actors, Caleb, just having that comfort level with each other to make those choices. And I mean, that's something that, that's something you can't teach. That's just plain (laughs) old chemistry, see? Chemistry. Yeah, chemistry. (laughs) (laughs) My gosh, I don't know if if this has been on any of the episodes you listen to, but often we bring up their chemistry. I'll play a clip from If I Were a Bell. (laughs) I'm like chemistry yeah, yeah chemistry, chemistry. <laughs> yay someone who gets it oh I'm I, I had no idea what that was from I'm like I like the clip but what is it <laughs> so. it's guys and dolls that guy is actually Marlon Brando oh chemistry mm-hmm. Talk about I don't know chemistry. who the I don't know yeah. who the Sarah chemistry. Brown is Ugh. yeah chemistry yeah chemistry <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Well, speaking of Sarah's kids, we get some of Amber at her new job in this episode. This felt a little bit like a storyline it to Mm. use my new favorite term that Melissa coined. Thank you. First of all, just to talk about the campaign in general, I wish I knew anything about campaigns so that I could judge how accurate this depiction (laughs) is. It feels a little cliched to me, like, because it feels like, fast and bustling and intense like but it's a city council campaign and like some assistant there has an undergrad and masters from harvard and could barely get a job i'm like this isn't the west wing i was so i was just gonna say berkeley city council so it felt a little more like an imitation of the like hyperactive campaign in movies but who can say not me who can say i did watch the entirety of the West Wing during quarantine. That was another one that I, oh, Caleb, oh my God, let's create another podcast and talk about that because, oh my God, oh, it changed my life. But yes, I agree with you that it definitely felt like (laughs) trying to replicate the West Wing. And and yeah, I mean, city council is not a presidential campaign. Like, yikes. No, I wrote down the same thing. I I was like, is that really how competitive it would be to have Amber's job? That just, I didn't believe it for a second. I'm like, um, I do buy that they would maybe be more educated than she is and she'd feel self-conscious about it. Definitely. I could buy that they were all college educated and then that they would feel, um, miffed that this younger girl nice with a, word choice thank you <laughs> with a high school <laughs> diploma like I could see that but I'm like it feels a little pushing it to be like Harvard Harvard you know yeah, just, a like, egregious. Right. yeah. <laughs> Bob Little requires only the best um, oh my gosh at the end of this little storyline that did you get the impression that Bob just happened to come by Amber's coffee shop no, no. Or did he seek her out he sought He's- her out I was going to say he suck her out. <laughs> I like that. He sought her out for sure. Okay. That's what I thought was probably more plausible. And like they're, they're clearly trying to show that even though she feels like a fish out of water with the other people, she has sort of an effortless connection with the candidate himself. Do we feel uncomfortable at this point? I, that was going to be my next question. Like, should he seek her out? What are his intentions? I think leading up to the coffee shop, everything was friendly. And then, yeah, I definitely felt that that was like, and I could tell she was like totally flustered in a really good way at the end um, where she was like, oh, no, oh, sorry. What, you know, like the next customer. So there's always that fine line where obviously it's both consensual, but, you know, he's her boss. 
So, but like she, Amber, let's see here. Amber was a high school senior last season. So she's yeah. 19, maybe 20, but maybe 20. Or maybe, well, yeah. Uh, no, I think she's 19, maybe 18. Whoa. <laughs> I think you're right. I feel like it depends on when her birthday is. Yeah. She's not, Yikes. she hasn't been out of high school for a full year yet. Very good point. And so he's probably pushing 30, I'm going to guess. Yeah. And, you know, that's not a big age difference if they were both. Sarah and Mark's age, you know, that's actually like, you know, about the same, um, maybe even a little more, but when one of them is still at 19, yeah. yeah. And when one of them, yeah, like a power imbalance. And then I'm like, God, what is it about these Braverman? I guess the Holt women, actually, it's Sarah and her daughter. I mean, Sarah sort of dated her boss, not sort of, she did at TNS Footwear. And uh, yeah, it's just. TNA Footwear. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wait, I just stole that from Christina. From TNS, TNS to, to TNA. TNA. Yeah. So. Yeah, like you said, they have this, like, they can't really get their shit together. They're sort of all over the place. They definitely, like, say the wrong things sometimes and all this stuff. But they have this vulnerability that, obviously, people find incredibly endearing. Yeah. And then they have this charm and this these, like, beautiful hearts. And, like, this bravery, like, this tenacity that people see. So I, I love seeing the parallel. Amber really reminded me of, of Sarah, like, early season Sarah in this episode of just, like, I'm trying. I can't really, like, get it. Like, I don't really get life. I don't really know how to, like, <laughs> do it. But, like, I'm trying my hardest and I'm an amazing person. And, you know, those people tend to be guided by the kindness of strangers. So you can kind of see... You can kind of see that in this episode for sure. Did you like the moment of Bob having the under 25s watch the the presidential ad and she was the only one who would be honest with him about that? Or did that feel contrived? What, what did you guys think of that? That felt brave to me. I'm, I'm imagine being in her shoes and I totally would have just been like, yeah, it's great. You know, especially when you feel intimidated and you're the least educated of the people. But the way she said it was like very... I think it would have felt contrived if she was like, you know, I'm going to say something, you know, yeah. and it, but, but she really, good point. Yeah. But she said it with kind of the bare minimum, you know, she was kind of just like, well, I don't agree. There you go. And I, I thought that was really brave and really cool. And it again, shows Amber's essence, right. Yeah. You know, like, again, she can't really figure stuff out, but she's like, a true Gryffindor, you know, she's got this brave, (laughs) beautiful spirit, you know. I also love that she kind of dismisses the ad in the most complimentary way possible. Like to say, you seem like a personable guy and that doesn't really come across here. So I didn't, I didn't connect with the ad, but I do connect with you. (laughs) Yeah, well, (laughs) right. Subtext there, I guess. But, but yeah, so it wasn't like, you're a joke. This is a joke. You know, she's not overdoing it it just felt like the perfect thing to say to disagree with with the the message of the video totally yeah well let's run a focus group on joel and julia's <laughs> situation with zoe nice. oh my god your transitions today speaking of chatting <laughs> <laughs> what did you make of the living arrangement between zoe and the grams i did something today that you're not gonna like you told Zoe that Troy called. Yeah, did she tell you? Oh. I just know you. And I know you can't not do the right thing. It was the right thing. Uh, I don't know if it was or not. How'd she take it? I couldn't tell you. 
She just shut me out. She wouldn't talk to me at all. Yeah. I mean, she's in such pain, and she won't let me help. I don't know. You think she's going to call him? You know, she said she would make sure that he didn't call here, so that implies some kind of communication. Yeah. Not a damn thing we can do about that. We can lock her in her room. So full of good ideas. Mm. Do they get to have an opinion about what Zoe's up to just because she's living there? Or is Zoe still, you know, yeah, I'm carrying a baby that's going to go to you, but for now, I'm still myself. And I don't think they do, unfortunately. I understand why they do. I, I cannot imagine how complicated of a situation that would be. So I can, again, you get to have your feelings, right? But some feelings, you know, you can work Good out point. amongst yourself. And yeah, I, I mean, legally and technically, she's an adult. Mm -hmm. Like, and it's her body and it's her choice and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So I don't think they really get to, but of course the feeling is valid. That's exactly it. Like, of course, perfectly said, of course yeah. they have an opinion and they can have an opinion. They can't tell her their opinion. <laughs> I think mm -hmm. they're really, yeah, mm -hmm. they, they have to keep those feelings to themselves. They can't tell her what to do. Absolutely. I thought the same. And to their credit, I feel like they, even when tempted to overstep, I feel like they did actually a pretty good job of respecting that boundary. Right. I'm glad that Julia ultimately told her. And when she told Joel, he said, yeah, you did the right thing. Yeah. So he knew too. I admired that. I think the only like caveat to that is if they feel like they are genuinely friends, which, you know, we've said, like you said, it's so complex because their friendship has seemed so conditional when it yeah. seemed like they weren't going to get the baby then Julia was like, get off my porch. Yeah. So like, yeah. you know, it was your friendship is only as deep as this agreement to hand the baby over. And I even I kind of bumped on when Julia said to Christina and Sarah, yes, she's living in my house and yes, she's carrying my baby. I get what she means. Like, but she's carrying her baby. Yeah, It is not actually your baby until yeah. she hands it to you. She gives it to but you. But if they yeah. are genuinely friends, then I think perhaps they could express an opinion as a friend. But even then, I feel like they would have to offer it up with absolutely no expectation that it be listened to. Like, I'm going to say this once. I'm not sure Troy is a great guy for you. Do whatever you want. Yep. But even that, yeah, I think they made the right choice. Just don't even go there. Yeah. Totally. And I loved that moment when she went up the stairs. That was such a oh. good acting moment. It devastated me. Hey. 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 Think fast. <laughs> Here. What's this? Uh, it's a present. Um, and Troy will never, ever be calling here ever again. We had our official breakup tonight. So, yay. <laughs> you okay? Mm-hmm. I mean, it was for the best, you know? And besides, I'm a single woman now on the prowl. I'm so tired, so I'm gonna go to bed. Night. Sleep well. Mm-hmm. Good grief. I mean, just, I mean, again, such a relatable show, such relatable content of, like, saying to someone who you're maybe not super comfortable like falling apart in front of 
something like giving them a bit of information and then like internalizing it yourself after you've said the bit of information that's that breaks your heart and then just like breaking down like but you can't even wait to break down like until you're out of the room like oh my god I know that feeling so potently of just like I'm gonna try not to show how I'm feeling but I can't help it you know so that was a beautiful beautiful acting moment on her part yeah I agree and I like how she made a dumb little joke like well I'm single now on the prowl you know but like it was just such a sad little joke because she was obviously just trying to mask how much pain she was in totally and I felt in a way, I felt a little sad that breaking up with Troy was kind of portrayed as this like big victory, as if like the answer for Zoe is just to do everything that Joel and Julia would have her do. Yeah. Yeah. And I know that's not literally what the show was intending to like portray that as. But like I liked previously that Troy wasn't portrayed as a complete villain, yeah. that there was like some like, is this from a good place or is it from a kind of crappy place? Yeah, like, what was the nature of, like, was he abusive? Like, I don't think okay. so. I, don't I mean, think so. controlling, okay. probably, and opportunistic. Yeah. Like, he wanted Joel and Julia to pay them, which was illegal. Oh, okay, yeah. sure. And we think Zoe really was not on board with it. She seemed like maybe she was, but then she ultimately says, I told him I didn't agree with him, and he got really mad. And Okay, so, so there's some yeah. gray area. Yeah, okay. But that moment on the steps of her going upstairs, that to me did feel like a little nod to the fact that there was something good and real between them. Even if he, I think he does definitely have some issues and is probably not a great person to have in her life. And just that look on her face and that little break in her voice. Yeah. Yeah. She broke up with him and I think she, cause she clearly knows that's the best thing to do, but it still hurts. Still hurts. And I just feel bad. For, she's living with these kind of strangers. She's pregnant. Now she's dumped the guy and had to go through the, the drama and perhaps trauma of getting him to sign his rights to the baby away. And I just like, gosh, she's shouldering a lot while physically going through this, too. I just Truly. heart goes out to this young woman. Yeah, I know. And I loved how Julia, you know, it easily could have been a, he signed the papers, ah! but you know, she handled it really delicately too. Like she was happy, but you know, she also held space for the fact that that was probably really hard to do and that Zoe's going through a lot. Yeah. And her and Joel throughout this episode, the way they were kind of strategizing about how to deal with Zoe felt a little like, oh, this is what it'll be like when their kids are teenagers. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's like, a good oh, point. I, I want to tell her something, but I'm not sure if it's my place and I'm not sure how she'll take it. And will that just drive her farther away and waiting up for her to come home, you know? Yes. And totally when, when she was having wine with Christina and Sarah, and then she's like, oh, okay, have a good time. Like you could tell she was like, she didn't want to be like, where are you going? <laughs> but like... <laughs> <laughs> but you know that that's on the tip of your tongue so I that was a great moment too it's like I'm gonna give her her space I don't know where she's going but I really want to know <laughs> you know you know for a storyline that in the beginning of it we just kept talking about how unrealistic it was I, I feel like they've pulled so many realistic notes from it you know like I think that the way Troy handled things was pretty realistic and and Zoe having a different opinion and Julia 
yeah, sort of uninviting Zoe from her front stoop and, and like just kind of being a little harsh, you know, bordering on mean. It, it was all very human and, and very realistically done it, for a storyline that in the beginning, I'm like, this is implausible. It just ended up being, I mean, mm-hmm. I think this goes down as one of my very favorite storylines ever on the show. It's, yeah. It keeps making me cry more than almost any other storyline. I don't know what it is. I, it's just, I mean, it's, it's Rosa oh Salazar, <laughs> but it's, yeah, it's really good. All in all, I felt like this wasn't a great episode. Not that there was anything bad about it. I, I feel like the rhythm of it was a little off and like it kind of felt like it sagged in the middle, like during the poker game and the girls night and like what's happening. <laughs> and I wonder if it's because all the storylines did feel small, but not in a like, Oh, it's small, but it makes a big impact, but kind of like they all, I don't know like they didn't get adequate time or I don't know exactly what it was. What did you guys think of the episode all around? I sort of had the same feeling. I was just sort of like, this is an episode where not a lot happened. I I feel like the main introduction was Crosby's new fling, right? And then, um, you know, because it's just kind of like, oh, like Sarah and Mark are growing their relationship, which like we knew, you know, but nothing really got resolved. You know, it's like, let's start this conversation. It's like, okay, great. And the Amber thing, definitely a storyline at, you know, like nothing concrete really happened from that. So yeah, I sort of felt the same. And I definitely, going back from the very beginning, I definitely felt the impact of no Drew, no Zeke, no Camille. Like I felt like people were like taking their vacations or something. (laughs) (laughs) So so, again, I enjoyed it immensely because it brought me back into the world of parenthood. And I was like, oh yeah, definitely gotta, gotta get in there. And like I said, I had the one, you know, caught in my throat moment when he hung up the picture oh, at the studio. Yeah. But yeah, I, I did feel like overall in, in the episodes that I've remembered and then went back and watched, it was kind of a meh episode. <laughs> Not this one. <laughs> I feel like it was setting things up, you know, like because sure. yeah. basically it's the second episode of the second half of the season. Like they had taken a big break and then the first episode back was Road Trip, which was very fish out of water was like a totally different thing. And it really was a break from all regular storylines. So this one was kind of like, okay, we're setting it up. We're, we're getting, we're getting ready to have those last few episodes before the finale. And so it was setting up, you know, Crosby and Lily and Amber and Bob Little. And I'm so deeply interested in where those are going to go, but it was kind of expositiony, you know, it was just, I thought the exact, I had used the word expository mostly for Crosby and Amber storylines that felt like, okay, new things setting up. Yeah. I'm excited for and, them. And then like the conflict between Adam and Crosby did raise a significant theme, but I felt like the, conflict was pretty trivial yeah right sarah and mark's story felt substantive and then joel and julia and zoe that to me felt like the only really continuing Mm. story arc yeah but i I also wondered like does this maybe is this like you said is this just what happens after an episode that is a total outlier maybe so like okay now we have to restart because we interrupted our momentum even though the interruption was awesome (laughs) I will say that I don't think that this episode was meh for me, and I think it's largely because of the Sarah Mark stuff. That's one of my very favorite episodes Mm. so far of the two of them. I thought it was really sweet and wonderful, and it was nice to see 
Sarah be vulnerable for once instead of Mark. And mm-hmm. yeah, and, and I love that it was just truly a storyline about the two of them and their relationship. And it wasn't like hinging on, you know, Seth coming back or, you know, like I, I feel like sure. Mark has kind of gotten That's short shrift. Through it. I was I remember being totally. so excited that Jason Ritter was like on season three. I was like, yes, he's back. And then I felt like he was a little bit squandered for much of it. And so he not in this episode. This was a real showcase. So, you know, that's a really positive spin to things. And so I'm going to, I'm going to agree that it's expositional setting (laughs) things up. There were, there really were some beautiful moments. And I did feel like that the Crosby and Adam rift was, you know, even though it didn't really like do much to move the story forward, it definitely brought up some interesting character stuff with both of them. And yeah, same with Sarah and Mark. I mean, I just, I love their relationship so much. So good. I felt like if I did identify a theme, I realized that conflict is the essence of drama. So this could apply, <laughs> this could apply to any episode to a degree. Right. But it felt like there were a lot of characters having to overcome their own discomfort in this episode. Mm. Amber having to overcome her insecurity at work. And Crosby having to overcome his feeling overshadowed by Adam. Sarah having to overcome her hesitancy at like, pushing too hard with Mark and Mark having to overcome his feelings about the possible baby. And then Julia having to overcome that boundary issue with Zoe, wanting to say something and feeling she can't. It's a hugely relatable subject to me. (laughs) And I thought maybe because it hits so close to home of feeling uncomfortable within myself and then that impacting my relationships with other people yeah maybe that's why i'm not really loving the episode (laughs) (laughs) too real yeah i think you're right caleb with the word discomfort you know it's it's that sort of like heightened anxiety but not distress like you're not quite in like a oh my god i'm panicked or i'm i need to resolve this immediately but it's just like i feel uncomfortable I feel queasy I feel not totally secure you know so that's a great a great word to use and I agree that was a recurring theme for sure well on the note of you telling me I'm right I think we'll quit (laughs) we're done (laughs) that's the perfect place the perfect place that's just that's all I'm after with this whole podcast actually like affirmation everyone confirm my world view please (laughs) confirm yes it's confirmed confirmed oh my god Elena, you are just such a delight. Aww, and we're so great to have you on here. I loved getting insights. to meet you and getting oh to know gosh. you. Oh my gosh, thank you. Melissa, I loved getting to meet you and get to know you too. And it was so, I feel like we could talk for two more hours. We totally <laughs> could. Oh, <laughs> so great. Um, thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun. Yes. Do you have any online presence that you wish to promote for yourself well if you're in the twin cities area come see me in shows and come to you know the theater i work at Instagram as eglass789 and sometimes I post cringy TikToks Fine. so you can probably Ooh. see those on oh they're they're just cringy they're just of me and like onesies and like 
That's life. That's perfect. That sounds awesome. Yeah. (laughs) Wonderful. Awesome. And um, everyone, please check us out on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook, Parenthood Pals Everywhere. Give us a give us a like or a follow or a rating or a review. We love it all. Send us an email. Yes. You can find all of our information at our website, www.parenthoodpals.com. <laughs> Indubitably. Thanks. Yes. <laughs> Thanks again, Elena. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And until next time, may God bless and keep you always. And may your wishes all come true.